Welcome to your next episode of BusinessWise, the podcast series created for entrepreneurs interested in expanding their companies through learning and applying the management system discovered and developed by humanitarian philosopher and administrator, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. We're going to talk about a very tricky subject today, one that has many schools of thought about it, most of them pretty nutty, and that subject is dealing with people. Now, look, if you're in the business world, if, you've, if you're creating a company, you're an entrepreneur, there is no way around this fact. You're going to be dealing with people. And they are all kinds of people. You've got uh, your partners, potentially. You have your employees. You've got your customers. There's people all around you. You're not going to, if you don't want to deal with people, don't deal with business. Don't deal with commerce. In fact, this can be a heavy drawback if people, if an individual has difficulty with people, they're generally going to have difficulty with business. And on the other hand, you could say those who are good with people are often very good with business. It doesn't follow like night follows day, but generally an ability to deal with people is requisite to being a successful entrepreneur. Now, this isn't a subject that is very carefully taught. Not a lot of precision in this subject generally. Uh, I don't remember a course on this when I went to high school, I'll tell you that. And so consequently, you see all manner of different attempts being made to master this subject. Some people find yelling at people is the approach they want to take, being angry with people, threatening. Some seem to think that you can just use honey. So you got your vinegar approach, you got your honey approach. Being nice, well, they say nice guys finish last. Maybe that's not the right approach either. There's not a lot of stable information to anchor yourself with when it comes to the subject of dealing with people. Uh, even your own family in many cases. How do I raise my kids and how do I deal with my spouse and friends and mother-in-laws and all the rest. It's a, it would appear to be a complex subject. It probably isn't like most things when you really dig in on it. It's fairly simple. But I would have to say one of the most definitive articles written on the subject was written by Mr. Hubbard on the 19th of September, 1958. And it was addressed to executives. And the title of the article is A Model Hat for an Executive. Now, there's enough content in this article for three or four podcasts. So I'm just going to pick up one section of it. Now, but before I do that, I want to define a few terms that are going to be used by Mr. Hubbard in this article. And the first of these is the word N-theta, E-N-T-H-E-T-A, N-theta. It means interbulated theta. Now, if you look up theta, theta means thought or life. It's the Greek symbol for thought. So Hubbard uses this as a word for life or life force. So N-theta means interbulated theta, thought or life, especially refers to communications which based on lies and confusions, are slanderous 
choppy, or destructive in an attempt to overwhelm or suppress a person or group. So that's n theta. Now, what about interbulated? Interbulated means in a turbulent, agitated, or disturbed state in a commotion or upset. So I am sure you can imagine interbulated or interbulation. Get some bad news, you're upset. Uh, someone is antagonistic towards you very aggressively, you get interbulated. Or someone stabs you in the back, you get interbulated, some betrayal of some sort. So I don't think there's anybody listening to this podcast who's unfamiliar with this concept of interbulated. Okay, he also uses this word, we've used this word earlier in the podcast, terminal. So terminal has a specific definition in the Hubbard Management System. A post, which is like a position in an organization, a post or terminal is an assigned area of responsibility and action, which is supervised in part by an executive. A point that receives, relays, and sends communication. So any organization, if you really take a look at it, is made up of lines, communication lines, and terminals, and particles that flow along those lines. And that's the simplicity of an organization. And the better setup that is, and the better people understand as terminals their duties and changes and functions with regards to those particles, and the smoother those lines are, the better of an organization you're going to have. So he uses that word terminal for a point that receives, relays, and sends communication when people wear only their own hats, which is basically their own jobs or functions. When people wear only their own hats, then one has terminals in the org or organization. So you could say when we're talking about dealing with people in an organization, we're talking about dealing with terminals, points that receive and relay communication. So when you're talking about dealing with those people, you're talking about how do you communicate with them? Because all of your dealings with them is going to take place through communication of one form or another. The better, the more disciplined your communication is, the more aligned it is with an appropriate technology or philosophy of dealing with people, the more effective you're going to be in handling them. So now I'm going to read to you what Mr. Hubbard says in this article, Model Hat for an Executive. He says here, executives should not write critical or confusing dispatches to terminals having to do with their performance of duty. How about that? You're not supposed to write that kind of stuff. Now, the interesting thing about it is that when you have something important to discuss, maybe something that is going to influence greatly a person's position or duties, even a dismissal, take it that far, most individuals find that it's, at that moment, only appropriate to put that in a written form. In other words, they cannot confront directly communicating with the person, and so they use a dispatch or a written communication of some sort or another, or the favored 
means today, which in my mind is disgraceful, and that is a text, which has even more room for misinterpretation and so on. And yet that seems to be a favored way of communicating critical or confusing communication seems to be through a text. Let's use a text. Hubbard goes on to say, such matters as conduct or rearrangement of post should be taken up with the terminal directly. The only writing is done after the fact of arrangements. Yeah, it's true. If it isn't written, it isn't true. You have a conversation with somebody, you sort something out, and then you validate it with a written communication, not the other way around. You have a problem with an employee or a problem with a partner, and you say, okay, well, look, it. I'm, uh, I, you know, I'm just going to write this all down and send this missive to this individual, and I'm just going to let it all hang out. I'm just going to communicate what I'm really thinking and what I want to say. And I think I'll just write it down. So then that dispatch, written communication, goes to the person. Of course, they get extraordinarily upset. Lots of room for misinterpretation. Lots of room for misunderstanding. And what do we do now? Now we try to sort things out in person. No. Switch it around. Have a little courage. Screw up your courage enough to go and directly, which means with no via, meet with the individual and communicate. He then goes on to say, wide open communication calm lines, communication lines such as we have, cannot tolerate critical, confusing, or distempered dispatches. There is no reason here to learn by experience what is already known. And theta on free comm lines can disturb an organization's comm system beyond belief. This applies equally to dispatches from terminals to executives. Hey, it works both ways. You know, encourage amongst your employees that if there's something to discuss, that they get in communication with you directly. No vias and no, and not in writing. Have communication about it, face-to-face. -face. He goes on to say, in the case of an executive in one part of the world having difficulty with the conduct of a terminal in another part of the world, do not dispatch the terminal. Dispatch instead the executive in that part of the world closest to the terminal, explain the situation to that executive, and have him take it up personally, in person, personally, with the terminal, even in a local operation. If you cannot interview the terminal in question, do not send a critical dispatch to him. Have the nearest executive to the terminal take it up with that terminal. No dispatch goes directly to such a distant terminal. This tells you how to deal with this over a long distance. You don't send them a letter, dear John. You don't send that letter, okay? You don't even phone or, or use a phone call. Uh, that's not personal. Personal means in person. Look it up. Okay? So how do you handle that kind of scenario? The person's 500 miles away. How are you going to deal with it? You communicate instead to someone there you trust that can meet with that person and sort things out in person. 
So you explain the situation to them, have them meet with that person. If you can't meet with them personally and uh, proceed from there. And that answers the question, how you apply this over a long distance. Okay, so then Hubbard says this. He says, in all capital letters, the above is fact. The following is my opinion and may be considered controversial. I think an opinion from Mr. Hubbard on how to deal with people is definitely worth listening to. So let's, let's do that. Let's give it a listen. Anyone will discover in actually dealing with people that these factors dominate. One, people are willing to do their best and will until hammered about it. How about that? Did you know that about people? That they're willing to do their best and will until you start knocking them around and giving them a hard time. Then uh, not quite so willing anymore. Two, most causes for complaint are based not on misconduct, but on misunderstanding. Come on, you can't tell me you don't have personal experience in this. You can't tell me that you've been certain, beyond shadow of a doubt, that that other individual was out to cut your throat, only to discover upon communication that there's been a misunderstanding. Well, if that is the case in your own experience, maybe we should jump to that conclusion first before we decide that there's something we need to uh, sack a person for or discipline them for. Most causes of complaint are based not on misconduct, but on misunderstanding. Three, only personal contact can restore understanding. That's a tough one. And I've broken it myself many times because, you know, sometimes the person's at a distance, like I mentioned before. You know, I'm just going to call this person up and sort it out. You will find you'll be very, very lucky to have success with a phone call. Very lucky indeed. And uh, I've been lucky, but most of the time it's gone not quite the way it should have gone. Certainly better than not communicating at all. Certainly better than uh, sending a written dispatch or God forbid, a text to sort out something like that. Interestingly enough, uh, nowadays, it seems like the only way to restore any kind of contact at all is through a text. So text has its place. Like if the person's not going to communicate with you in any other way, yeah, send the, send the guy a text. But don't try to sort it out with the text. Use the text to say, look, let's get in communication. And then, you know, a better gradient would obviously be a phone conversation. But ideally, you find someone there in that locale that can meet with the person uh, for you. So number three, only personal contact can restore understanding. Number four, written criticism or anger is rarely repaired by more writing. A breach opened by writing is usually susceptible to being healed only by personal contact. The moral is, therefore, don't open the breach with a distempered dispatch. The <laughs> best way to apply number four is just don't write distempered dispatches, okay? But if you do, remember, only personal contact is going to repair that. Five, don't let a detected error drift. Take it up and correct it when found. 
hey, look, if you've got a beef, you've got a problem with an employee or uh, a friend or any kind of an issue, just take it up with them right then. It's probably based on misunderstanding. Sort it out. What's worse is to just accumulate these things and not sort out the errors, and then suddenly you unleash with Thor's mighty hammer, and uh, that's the end of that relationship, and usually brings on a whole passel of nightmare and gosh knows what. So, yeah, take it up when found. Along that line, number six, don't accumulate, quote, bad marks, end quote, against a terminal before acting. Forget old, quote, bad marks, quote, when they have been corrected. Corrected, good, move on, done. That's corrected. You took it up when found, you handled it, on to the next. Keep it fresh, keep it new. Don't accumulate those bad marks. And uh, your dealings with others will, will certainly improve. Try it. Try it sometime. Number seven. A terminal has his side of the story. As the person on the job, he has more valid data than the executive. Huh? Are you serious? Are you kidding me? That guy bagging groceries knows more than me, the manager for the whole store? No way. I know everything about this place. Uh-uh. He says the terminal has his side of the story. As a person on the job, he has more valid data than the executive. Listen and question before you decide you're outraged. What a great policy. Got a problem with someone? They're on the ground. Why not go ask him about it? Get in communication, personally, face-to-face. -face. Get the data. They have more valid data than you do. Try to get off the high horse a little bit here. Be humble enough to go and question and talk and listen. All right. That's number seven. And finally, number eight. The only capital an executive has is the willingness to work. Do you understand that? The only capital an executive has is the willingness to work. Preserve it. No person can be driven to labor, as every slave society has found out. They always lose. When a man is whipped, that work he then does still stems from his willingness alone. Anger made it smaller. L. Ron Hubbard. You don't have a right to that person's willingness. He doesn't owe, she doesn't owe that willingness to anyone. They have that willingness. Cultivate it. Preserve it. Do everything you can. Look up the word willingness. It's your only capital. Take good care of it and enhance it. Use these laws, these rules in dealing with people, and you will watch that willingness grow and expand within your group, and it'll be a blast to work in your outfit. Otherwise, probably a nightmare. And guess what? If it's a nightmare, you got to live in it too. So study this uh, podcast carefully. If you have the opportunity to be around this article, it's in what we call the green volumes. Model hat for an executive. Study and apply it, learn it well, and let me know how it goes. We've been getting your feedback. We love it. 
keep it coming. Thank you. <laughs>